You are listening to Keystone's Stock Talk Podcast, episode 130. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start our case four debate on food delivery giants DoorDash Inc., symbol D-A-S-H on the NASDAQ, and Uber Technologies Inc., symbol U-B-E-R on the NASDAQ. Aaron takes the case for the former, while Brennan has the case for the latter. I will act as judge, jury, and executioner. We will also discuss frothy valuations in the alternative energy segment, on the heels of a significant acquisition by Canadian small cap Zebic Absorption Inc., symbol XBC, on the TSX Venture, which was the subject of a Case 4 debate just two weeks ago. Finally, I will take a look at a listener's question on a recent listing, We Commerce Holdings Limited, symbol WE or WE, on the TSX Venture, which has tripled in value in the past week since listing on the Venture Exchange. The company acquires and owns a family of companies and brands in the Shopify partner ecosystem. Let's get right into the show this week, right ahead of Christmas. Uh, Aaron and Brennan, I'd like to welcome you. How is everything going with you two? Well, good, good. good. I'm a little nervous, obviously, because I'm going to be facing off against Brennan in the debate today. So, I was going to say I thought you are nervous because there's a little snow outside. I look outside right now, but you just told me there's no snow where you are. You're about an hour away, 45 minutes away from me, but I we are getting snow for the first time this winter here which basically sends Vancouver into absolute chaos. So um, the whole city can't, uh, can't d- deal with it. Although this year, there's less driving, so maybe it would be nice to have a white Christmas. Yeah, that Certainly, sounds I, insane to me. I like a white me. Christmas. I just don't like it to last for very long. That's, that's yeah. my only problem. Oh, no. It, it would be awesome to, you know, in this Canada year to have that. This just think that we're a bunch of weaklings. Yeah, Brennan's there, right? laughing. Yeah, exactly. I'm, la- just, I'm laughing. You're under 400 feet of snow right now. Yeah, I already got stuck in my car earlier this winter because of a huge downfall. So, uh, so yeah. That's because no. you have a low rider in 40 feet. <laughs> when Brennan no, gets that's stuck in the true. snow, he puts the car in his back and basically hikes at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they do in Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, that's true. For sure. That's true. Uh, we call it BCAA, but. We just don't even let him talk either. <laughs> I think he had something to say. Just, whatever. <laughs> we will tell you what they do in Saskatchewan. Yeah, you let us know. <laughs> Because we've been there once, we know. Uh, anyways, I, I wanted to get some comments. I have a little uh, intro here on, we're seeing some frothy valuations in the alternative energy markets, generally speaking. I'm just going to look at a transaction. It was a busy week for Zebec. We talked about that uh, symbol XBC on the TSX venture. They announced a bot deal offering and a concurrent private placement. Uh, the bot deal, $125 million, which was upsized, and $55 million, respectively, for that private placement. 
Uh, they are launching a hydrogen strategy, they say, and they made a $155.9 million strategic acquisition of a Dutch-based leader of on-site hydrogen generation solutions. Uh, it is called High Gear. The acquisition uh, is a le- this company is a leading small-scale steam methane reformer. It has this technology, and it has a reference base of about 66 active hydrogen generation installations worldwide to accelerate entry into the fast-growing hydrogen fuel market. Certainly a hot segment. But this acquisition was not cheap. In fact, High Gear uh, better show extraordinary growth in the coming years to justify the price tag. Now, the multiple paid for High Gear represents 8.8 times 2019 revenues and 29.3 times 2019 EBITDA. Now, perhaps the business will grow, but it has to backfill a lot of uh, growth to get to a more reasonable level. Now, what we know of the business right now is that it generated uh, last year about $17.89 million in revenues and EBITDA Canadian about $5.33 million. It is expected to experience double-digit annual revenue growth from 2019, it said in the press release, to, till 2021, and maintain strong EBITDA and operating income. Now, it is great to hear the business is growing, uh, but it, it says here from 2019 to 2021. Well, 2020 is basically over, so there's only one left year really left in this prediction. So you're looking at double digits as a range of growth. That is a big range. That could be 10% growth or 99% growth. Now, the acquisition obviously makes a lot more sense and is more reasonable price if it's growing at 99 versus 10%. Regardless, the the price tag, I mean, again, if it is at 99 times, it is more attractive, but I think that if it was closer to that range, they would probably tell you it was that range. Um, It's... Zebic is currently trading at because it's has really actually negative EBITDA in its latest periods. Uh, it's raised these funds at a higher valuation than the twenty nine times EBITDA. So this acquisition for Zebic will actually be accretive. Now we appreciate the need for clean energy, and it had made a number of recommendations in this space over the last several years. We see long term potential here, but the world does seem a bit upside down when an acquisition is made at this type of multiple with uh, a smaller level of revenue overall and the growth the growth rate here is not specific the company's not being totally specific on the growth rate and it has a high range of that growth rate so it is really quite a price tag they're paying here and yeah course, so now go ahead Brandon. like so you know all of a sudden in the future here what what happens if alternative energy companies all of a sudden start trading with a way lower multiple you know um, all of a sudden, that acquisition looks like a, a horrible one, um, you know, and, and even just 8.8 times revenue, you're saying, um, like, we will get into it shortly here. But, you know, Uber, Uber is trading at seven times uh, its sales. So, I mean, you know, Uber is obviously like a, a way larger business, but uh, it, it's just it seems almost outrageous to me um, that a small company like that is, you know, getting uh uh, getting bought out, I guess, for uh, eight, 8.8 times or almost nine times revenue. Um, yeah, the promise is there and we see that and you see the potential for this. But I mean, you're talking about a proof, you know, just kind of has a proof of concept business, but it's it's one thing to have it at that stage. But when you're talking about maybe it's growing at 20%, paying that type of multiple for a private business is 
fairly rare. You mm-hmm. don't see that too often unless it's an absolute, you know, a SaaS business that has high, high recurring revenue. I mean, you could say that maybe this is, you know, hydrogen gas as a service, but I mean, that is, can so, be stretching it a little bit. So now I'll ask, like, did we kind of see this in the cannabis uh, segment as well? You know, previously when everything was trading at absolutely ridiculous sales multiples. Um, and, and maybe you guys, you know, can't recall quite exactly. No, without but. a doubt, that's the case. You were paying massive multiples and and then you had companies write down some of the assets that they bought. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that's going to happen here. Of course. Um, this may be a great acquisition for the company, but you know, it is, you really have to have that business grow and uh, and continue to produce cash flow and grow that cash flow for it to make sense over the long term if you're paying these type of multiples. And so it's what, just something to look what I'll at. What I'll say differentiates and maybe be aware this of. from the cannabis space is when companies were acquiring other businesses in the cannabis space, those those acquisition targets weren't generating EBITDA. So those would be you you would have been basing those acquisition multiples on expected EBITDA at least one or more years in the future or or based on on revenues. A lot of times they were making acquisitions of companies that had no revenue or EBITDA and just calling it strategic. Yeah, they're acquiring licenses at some point, so that yeah. got even more silly, yeah. right? You're acquiring just some uh, company that had a license in a market, or there could be predicted EBITDA going forward, but I mean, I, that's I, that's two, several two stages totally back from this acquisition. sectors, for sure, yeah. um, with, you know, different considerations as well with respect to long-term growth and, you know, supply-demand factors. But, you know, I, w- what, I will, what I will say is that whenever you see... Uh, a theme or a sector trading off of hype and expectations and valuations exploding, it's it's time to be cautious. And I still think that, you know, within the clean tech space, renewable space, that there's opportunities right now. Um, but it's a time to be, you know, cautious and not just throw caution to the wind. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, like, there was tons of growth and there continues to be tons of growth potential in cannabis, but you can't just pay any price. There is a tremendous amount of growth and the, the world is moving towards alternative energy solutions, clean energy solutions. So there's a tremendous amount of growth there, but you can't just pay any price. We're, we're not saying that Zebec is paying a terrible price. We just know that it is historically quite a high price to pay 8.8 times sales of private company and almost 30 times EBITDA for a private company like this with, you know, under 20 million in revenue. So it's not like you're buying an absolute juggernaut of a business that is a market leader. You know, they've had a proof of concept here. Uh, and if, hydrogen generation solutions for fuel cell electric vehicles this refueling applications becomes the new normal it is you know a great opportunity but that's a lot of ifs and you're paying for a lot of ifs in the future when you pay that price for the business if i was zebec i would be raising money with my share price at these levels because you know it's trading at all-time highs and trading with a high multiple so i think management is making a good move there raising money at you know at those levels but Again, it's something to watch when you start to see valuations get to uh, and prices being paid in this sector that are very high, historically speaking. And we saw that happen in the cannabis sector. And then there was an opportunity one or two years later 
to buy businesses when they're on sale. This may happen in the alternative energy segment, in the clean tech segment. Uh, we've already owned some names in these for the past couple of years. We've been positioned because we saw growth in this industry over the long term. There will be other opportunities here now. We just monitor every company in the segment. And you know, today we're just reporting on the valuations that we're seeing transactions occur at, which is a higher rate than we've seen in the past. So let's get into our case for debate here. Uh, Bre- Aaron, you have DoorDash, I do. correct? I do. You do. Okay, well, I, I, we're going to start you off. I'm going to get my uh, alarm ready. You're going to get that minute, correct? Sure, you get to explain but, a little bit about Yeah, DoorDash, I'll, I'll tell the people what the heck the business actually is, which would be a good thing, right? DoorDash is a technology company that connects customers with their favorite local and national businesses in more than 4,000 cities by offering on-demand delivery, essentially. Uh, it's priced now $164, market cap $47 billion. Symbol D-A-S-H on the New York Stock Exchange. So, Aaron, are you ready for the case four? I am ready. All right, let's start you in three, two, one, go. DoorDash has more than doubled its market share in the last two years, growing from 17% to 50% share of the market as of October of this year. Over the same period, the market share for Uber Eats declined from 27 to 26%. DoorDash is also a business built to prosper during and after the pandemic shutdown. It serves as an essential part of food infrastructure and will continue to benefit from the food delivery trend afterwards. Uber suffers uh, during a shutdown as people have less places to go. This is evidenced by Uber's 18% revenue decline in the last quarter. DoorDash is also just getting going with growth. 200% revenue growth in the last quarter. 226% revenue growth for the first nine months. Did I mention Uber's revenue declined 18%? Finally, DoorDash has less regulatory and political risk as it is a simple business that mostly services restaurants that weren't providing delivery services as opposed to Uber, which is constantly butting up against new regulatory demands and claims that it is costing people's jobs. Whoa. Taking, taking right some there. from Ryan last week, throwing some jabs, some uppercuts out. Boom, right at the end. One second left. Yeah, you had some jabs. I don't know why my alarm did a different uh, sound this time, but okay. uh, it was it's beautiful. Brennan, thank you for saying it's okay. Yeah. So now, now, um, now, no, it's a good case. You make a good case. Now let's look at uh, the case for... Um, we're going to look at the case for global ride sharing and food delivery company, Uber Technologies, symbol U-B-E-R on the N- New York Stock Exchange. Now, the current price is uh, $51.86. Market cap is $93.6 billion. But you are ready for the case for Uber. I am. Four, three, two, one, go. Uber is a more established business with six times the revenue of DoorDash and is diversified between both rideshare and food delivery services. Number two, a dark cloud was recently removed from Uber's stock in November as it won a battle in California with voters approving a ballot measure to preserve the business model of rideshare companies. Number three, Uber's revenue growth remains strong, increasing over 25% in 2019 and trades at an attractive price to sales multiple of seven times, whereas DoorDash trades at over 21 times sales. And now, although 
although DoorDash grew revenues by 200% in 2019, the stock is priced to perfection at 21 times sales. And if its growth rate falters in the coming years, investors will likely be punished. And number five, the holy grail of investing books, The Intelligent Investor, written by Warren Buffett's mentor, Benjamin Graham, warns of investing in new IPOs such as DoorDash, identifying that new issues have special salesmanship behind them, noting that it's likely better to invest in a stock years after its IPO as you have a better chance of buying the stock at a discount price. Boom. Perfect. Right on time. Nice job. All right. Well, that was quite the heated debate. Um, I'm going to say that uh, both companies on a fundamental basis are quite expensive. Um, it is nice to see the growth at DoorDash right now, but uh, I would say that the growth yeah, the declining growth at Uber is more because the entire world is in lockdown at present. Um, it, it basically Uber is trading at uh, double the valuation or, or double the market cap, but its price to sales, its valuation on a price to sales basis, is significantly lower than DoorDash, and that was pointed out here. An attractive price to sales multiple of seven, which is still high, but re relative to the twenty-one times sales of DoorDash, I'm going to give Uber the win on this one, and Brennan is going to get his first win. Aaron, Ooh. I think the the cards were stacked against you there to start. I don't know. I, Honestly, I, I don't think either of us had uh, the most particularly uh, a really easy job. So I mm -hmm. congratulate Brennan. Thank you. Um, Thank your you. first W in the column. I hope that's, this that's wasn't a, feel great. I hope this wasn't a sympathy W, though. I hope it wasn't. I don't a, think so. I don't, um, I don't think, I think was. it I mean, was. They're, they're, you got the lucky roll on this one. I, I mean, it's not to say that DoorDash yeah. is a poor company. I, I mean, think there's good growth there. But, you know, we're fundamental analysts. We have a a. Um, you know, we think they might be both good companies, but we want to see a company trading at the more reasonable valuations. And we think valuations mean something to your returns over the long term. And you have one trading at price to sales of seven, one trading at price to sales of 21. Although, of course, DoorDash is growing higher. If we could extrapolate or strip out just the Uber Eats business, I would say that that business is growing at a high rate, too. And if I could extend on that too, like I actually ended up calculating the price sales to growth ratio on both of these stocks. Mm -hmm. So looking at uh, DoorDash's growth right now, trading it like, or I think it grew, like I said, 200% uh, in 2019. Um, DoorDash has a price sales to growth ratio of about 10.5, whereas Uber has a price sales to growth ratio of 28 times. So looking at the growth in relation to the valuation, yeah. Uh, based on sales, technically, you know, DoorDash is the better deal. But, you know, the question is, can that growth continue? Can can they keep on putting up 200% growth year after year? Um, well, so, you know, that and is I think the question, too, is uh, once the world does at some point open up again, does mm -hmm. Uber resume its growth in terms of the ride yes. share part of the business? So you have a little more diversification in this business too, obviously, because you have a juggernaut and ride share versus, and they have the food delivery business. So, uh, if you can pay for both of those businesses that are lower multiple, and then when we are able to open up again, Uber Eats is, or DoorDash's and Uber Eats's delivery, food delivery business likely declines so one's yeah. going to get hit more and then in the 
when you have the open up again, the or does this change consumer behavior? Oh yeah, it, I think it's. I, and the pandemic actually accelerates a trend that was already in place. I, I agree, but I mean, when you are able to go out more, I mean, I think that their base business, if you call the base business, is, has accelerated the change there. But you, you know, when you're allowed to go out, people are going to go out more. I would believe again, once again, we're allowed to go out for dinner. It's nice to do that. Um, so, so I think that. You know, I think that the the business of Uber has that diversification that is going to get an uptick when we see uh, the lockdowns re- subsiding over time, which can happen. But that is the question that we have for a number of businesses: is it a new normal? Do you see a a new a new a new behavioral? Uh, you know, people coming to a new type of behavior. Um, when we come out of this, because they've realized, man, it is so easy to have a, p- a parcel delivered from uh, Amazon. I don't have to go out to the shop to buy it. It can be there within 24 hours. That, for me, is a behavioral change. So do you have that become? But, you know, people still like the shopping experience out, so you're not going to have everybody doing that. But it's certainly not going to go back right back to the way things were, in my opinion. And Aaron, I think you agree with that. Oh, I, I, I think that, yeah, it goes somewhat back to the way things were with some acceleration of previous trends. Um, but I mean, of course, we're not we're not here trying to bet um, on, on the next trend or how a trend we want to bet on. We, we, we want to invest in things that we have you know decent visibility. on. And it is one of those things that when we're doing the analysis on companies right now, you have to factor in because there is some areas of business that are doing better during a the lockdown because the, the, the their businesses are s- structured to benefit from that type of environment pushing people online and you have to factor in how much of their growth is driven by a lockdown situation how much of that growth will be removed when we don't have a lock-ins lockdown so there are some complicating factors when you're looking at companies growth levels right now other factors looking at right now, when you look at profitability of some of these businesses, uh, there's government subsidies in almost all you know the earning statements of a, a number of companies. So you have to remove those because they can't last forever. So there's a number of complicating factors when we're looking at uh, and analyzing businesses right now that weren't there certainly a year ago. Well, Brennan, I, I certainly congratulate you on your win. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah. Congrats. And I'll say as well that, you know, if you're going to lose, you may as well lose to the best. And that's probably why it stings so badly to lose to Brennan. Um, (laughs) I like that. I'll I'll manage. Um, I'll I'll get through it. mm -hmm. I'd just say savor it, Brennan, because you may not see one. (laughs) Ever again. Uh, I'm going to say you won't see a win for another year or into the new year, but that is a week away. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think it's not that far. That's true. So I'm going to take a question from a a listener on a company, a recent, really recent uh, public listing. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. It's called WeCommerce Holdings Limited, symbol just simply WE or WE on the TSX Venture. Today it trades at $21.93, has an $820 million market cap. The shares announced uh, or started trading on December 14th, just of this year, under the symbol WE. Companies based in Victoria, British Columbia, so close to where we are. 
Uh, it's a holding company. It went public at $7 per share. Within 24 hours, WeCommerce stock had doubled and it is now tripled. As a result, investors are keeping a close eye on this growing venture in Canada. And a number of people have been highlighting the co-founder, Andrew Wilkinson, who has been dubbed by some media outlets as the Warren Buffett of tiny tech. Um, he envisions the company to be the Berkshire Hathaway of small tech companies. We will see if they can deliver on that rather grandiose statement. But, you know, there has been some good growth in this business. What is the business? What does WeCommerce do? Well, they're under the Shopify, Shopify partner ecosystem platform. They are a holding company that owns a family of companies with brands in the Shopify partner ecosystem, like I said, including Pixel Union, Out of the Box, Yopify, Supple Apps, Rehash, and 460, which was a recent acquisition. So Pixel Union and Out of the Box, essentially pro- out of the sandbox, sorry, provide website design templates and apps to plug into the Shopify ecosystem as well as support programs. Yopify, Supply Apps, Rehash are apps for the Shopify ecosystem. And 460 offers a shoppable SaaS Instagram platform uh, using the Shopify ecosystem. So the company has said it's focused on acquiring businesses with growth potential, sustainable competitive advantage, and that have or have the potential to become a leader in their particular segment. The businesses consist largely of SaaS or digital goods service businesses, and the company targets businesses like we said within the Shopify ecosystem due to the confidence in the Shopify platform, the fragmented nature of the ecosystem, and the attractive economics that businesses generally exhibit within this segment. Now, you are tied to the Shopify platform. So if somebody builds or some company builds a better ecosystem and users move from Shopify, it won't go well. But, you know, the Shopify system has been well proven at this stage and is growing at a tremendous rate. So there is some tremendous growth there. Now, from a financial perspective, there's good growth in the business. There's some organic growth, but largely it appears to be acquisition driven. Total revenues in Q2 were up 52%. uh, And adjusted EBITDA increased around 61%. Now, valuation is what we look at when we look at even every business. So even if we, because it's a really new public listing, but even if we gave it the benefit of the doubt and annualized EBITDA or adjusted EBITDA from its past quarter, uh, the company would have uh, annual or trailing basis, 8.5 million. WeCommerce would have that in terms of adjusted EBITDA. With a market cap of 820 million on an EV to EBITDA basis is about trading at 89 times there. So that is a high multiple for a business like this. It's uh, it's and this is something that, as we discussed earlier in the show, we're seeing a lot of these days is just you know high valuations on developing businesses, um, and in a lot of cases, you know, stock prices going up just based on excitement and and not necessarily on what we like to see, which is clearly profitability and positive cash flow. Yeah, I mean, this is a business that, you know, it has interest to us. Like there is growth in the underlying business. I can see, I like the strategy in this space. Um, that management rate, they raised $60 million recently uh, with the, uh, the going public transaction. Uh, they appear competent management. They're targeting profitable growing businesses. Um, we'll see if there is a ready supply of re- of businesses at a reasonable price in this environment. There's likely targets, but 
we've seen the valuations are high, so they have to be accretive over the long term. Um, it's at high valuations right now. Like I would suggest keep raising money for WeCommerce. If you see uh, a bunch of acquisition targets, uh, keep raising money. But the stock was very richly valued. It got up to just under $30. Like, so we can say we like a business. I think that, you know, there's not a, it's not a long history as a public company, obviously, but when you look back at some of the statements here, the way it went public, there's not as detailed as going through an IPO process, so you can't look uh, as in detail as we would be able to at some companies that IPO a more traditional route. But uh, we can like the business, but not its price right now, and likely like this business and the businesses that are acquiring, but it is very expensive at 89 times EV to EBITDA. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about you know new IPO offerings. Like even in my uh, Uber uh, Uber uh, Four segment that I did there, you know, uh, again relating to the intelligent investor, Benjamin Graham, you know, kind of warns about stocks running beyond their means after an IPO. Now, if I could actually just re- read a segment from the intelligent investor, if you, if that's okay with you guys. Can I? Can you read it though? Yeah, I can read. So that's good. So here's just an example. So if you had spread a total of one thousand dollars across every IPO in January 1960 at its offering price, sold out at the end of that month, then invested anew in each successive month's crop of IPOs, your portfolio would have been worth more than five hundred and thirty-three decillion by year end 2001. So that's from 1960 to 2001. Now, I'm not saying for people to do this strategy, it probably wouldn't work. Um, But still, so they're saying that after a month of holding that IPO, if you sold it, you could possibly make a great return. But now, if uh, we look at it a little bit more in depth, from 1980 through 2001, if you had bought the average IPO at its first public closing price and held on for three years, you would have underperformed the market by more than 23% points annually. So I think that, you know, just kind of relating back to what I said again in the Uber, where there's special salesmanship going behind an IPO where the company's trying to get the highest price that it can. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of speculation maybe push the st- might push the stock up in a short period of time. Um, but of course, you know, these stocks are usually being listed to the market at, you know, more expensive multiples or prices, uh, just because again, they're trying to get as much capital as they can. Um, anyways, I thought that that might be, uh, you know, beneficial just to, uh, no, it's certainly, that's a good point is that, uh, a, a company will typically not IPO unless they think they're going to be getting a good price for their, for their stock so ipos aren't where value investors would look Mm -hmm. for investment opportunities for example um you know that that said though we would never dismiss a company because it was or was not an ipo we would always judge the company on its own individual merits and the merits of its of its industry and its market but typically it is the case that when there are a lot of ipos that's when the market has come up a lot and companies are getting, you know, a, a generally a premium valuation or what we would consider a premium valuation for the stock. Certainly. Yeah, and that's where you got to be aware. I mean, the primary leaders in a segment if it starts, you know, segment starts going public or are usually, you know, I mean, they can be better bets over the long term. I mean, if you look at the cannabis sector in Canada where you had just an absolute, you know, gold rush of 
of, of these uh, type of IPOs and reverse mergers and uh, any way that they could list on the Canadian exchanges. Um, you, you know, it was the secondary and tertiary companies that you really have to be uh, really wary of because that is the businesses that are just coming on to the markets to raise capital to take advantage of a hot segment and this is um you know we're not saying that is what e-commerce is doing right now but there is a lot in the segment of e-commerce uh you know and now you're looking at uh companies in psychedelics too and you're looking at companies uh, that are raising money uh in alternative energy segments and you have to be wary that it's not just a management team that is trying to capitalize on a hot segment and raise a bunch of capital without really a solid business plan underpinning the business. With WeCommerce, it does look like there is a solid business plan here. We just have to watch that we're playing, paying a reasonable price for it over the long term, and we'll continue to monitor that business closely. Exactly, and uh, you know, j- just to finish off here, like Aaron said, just because a company's IPOing, you know, you can't just write it off, of course. But it's just you have to have a really cautious eye when you're when you're looking into the business. Um, so yeah, thanks for for adding that because I don't want anybody to think out there that I'm just saying every IPO is is not worth a look. Of course, you need to, um, but you just need to have a cautious eye on it. Yeah. Oh, I, sorry, I just tweeted out that that's exactly what you were saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's out there forever now, man. Sorry, but that's Uh-oh. it. Uh, that is what you said. Brennan hates IPOs. That's yeah. all it says. All right, well, I'd like to thank you too for co-hosting again with me this week. Wish you a uh, you wish you all Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all the usual greetings. We will be back uh, next week, next Monday or Tuesday uh, before New Year's with likely a predictions show. Uh, we'll look forward at some of our bold predictions, which we hate really doing, but we will do uh, heading into the new year. Look at a couple new companies. Uh, as well but keep your questions coming in for your stock our take our case for case against uh, debates we love doing those and uh, keep rating us and reviewing us on itunes add the podcast so you can uh, get it sent to you every week and i wish you all out there stay safe happy holidays and profitable investing profitable investing thanks everyone